Welcome to the Long Story Short. I'm Liz Calloway. So, you know, we have been talking about politics and politics and politics. And this this time, you know, this is what I love about podcasting. It's my ability to switch gears, anything I want, and focus on other things that have a lot of people talking. So within my circle of friends, and I'm sure yours too, um, hormones seems to come up a lot. Hormones for women, hormones for men, how they wreak havoc in our bodies, or, you know, should we go bioidentical or synthetic? It's like, is the egg good for you or bad for you? Is red meat good or bad? Coffee good or bad? We're so confused. So I tapped into an expert, Dr. Karen Eilber, is a board-certified urologist and an associate professor of urology and OBGYN at Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. And she's an expert in women's health and men and women's sexual wellness. And she's joining me on the air right now. Good morning, Dr. Eilber. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you because, you know, being 52, all these different advertisements keep popping up all over my social media. You know, they're targeting me, you know, they're saying, try this, try pellets, try food, try thyroid, try this exercise. Can you give us um, maybe a little bit of a background of this hormone as a business um, that, you know, a lot of women my age are being targeted with? Well, that's a big mouthful. (laughs) I mean, well, look, the bottom line is what I always find fascinating, you know, for a majority of our life from really the onset of, you know, puberty until, you know, many years, probably five to 10 years after you're officially menopausal, hormones rule your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, where you are in your cycle because of how you feel or how you're hungry, your skin breaks out, whatnot. And so when you have changes like that and you're like, I want to be what I used to be, or I want to be better. All right. Of course. So that's why hormones become a business because it really is not necessarily a fountain of youth, but I mean, you know, for me personally, it brings back a level of, you know, sanity, um, you know, and just consistency in your life. So I think it's a business because a, um, traditional hormone therapy, which is, you know, giving back estrogen, progesterone, whatever other hormones, you know, there tends to be some unfounded fears associated with that. But also, I think just in general in society, we like to be quote unquote natural. So things that get promoted as natural hormone replacement also become very popular. Yeah. And in fact, we have learned over the years that just because something says it's natural, it doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. So full disclosure, um, I actually tried the bioidentical hormones in a cream, the compounding ph- pharmacy made it. It wasn't covered by insurance. I had to pay, you know, I don't know, $168 a month for it. Um, and I started to lose my hair. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be good for me. You know, natural means no side effects. My body's just going to accept it. Is that necessarily true? Or, Well, I mean, there are many natural things that are good for you. Like arsenic is natural, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> good point. So, I mean, right. We, I, we do tend to use the term natural as equating like safe or beneficial, but you know, that's not necessarily true. And, you know, in general, I am pro hormone. I hate to say like pro anything because, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. of course in people who there are contraindications, right? Personal family history, breast cancer, all those other things. But, you know, it really depends on maybe you had other issues going on, you know, probably a baseline before you start any hormone replacement, you want to make sure your thyroid is normal and just have a regular physical assessment. But the problem with, and I'm not saying bioidenticals are bad. I have lots of patients who use them and they have a really good outcome, but 
you know, the bioidenticals are only as good as the person who's compounding them, hmm. right? And the person who's making them. So the bioidenticals can be great, but just keep in mind they are not regulated as tightly as a prescription hormone replacement. Ah, see, now that's something people don't realize. Um, and so I was reading that with bioidentical, and tell me if this is true, that when a patient is using that, um, the, and they're having side effects, those side effects aren't required to be reported. That is true because it is, they are not a FDA regulated or wow. really by kind of any agency. So that is true. And that's why, again, it's not that bioidenticals are dangerous. I think if anything, people assume they're safer because they're quote unquote natural, but yeah, just keep in mind that you don't have any oversight by any you know, organization, again, like you were saying to that they're mandated to report any kind of complications with it. And because they're individually compounded by different pharmacists, like personally, the pharmacist that we work with, I love her. She's great. She compounds a lot of things for my patients. Totally trust her. But, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's like any industry. There are maybe some who are maybe not as good as others. We're speaking with Dr. Karen Eilber, a board-certified uh, urologist and associate professor of urology and OBGYN in LA. And uh, we're talking about hormones and the myths between bioidentical and synthetic hormones. Now, I need to ask you, you know, you mentioned, you know, taking a battery of tests. What would a, what should we ask for when we're going into an appointment to say, hey, I'm perimenopausal, maybe, I'm, I'm in menopause, maybe, or you know, what should I be doing? I'm having these symptoms. I'm putting on weight. I'm getting hot flashes. I'm feeling fatigued. Um, I'm having aches and pains. Can you tell me what would, should we be uh, communicating to our doctor and what battery of tests should we go through before our doctor can make an educated decision on which type of hormone, if any, that we should be on? So that's a great question. In a woman who is perimenopausal, right? I think at a minimum, you know, probably have fewer your estrogen and something called FSH, your follicle stimulating hormone, which is often an indication of, you know, where someone is in the perimenopause, menopause continuum. Um, and then you can decide like, because maybe your hormone levels are normal. You also want to check your thyroid because also common things that can cause hair loss, feeling tired, waking are simply being hypothyroid. They're not necessarily like an estrogen hormone imbalance. So then you don't, you don't really have to have a quote unquote battery of tests done. There's really just some basic stuff that needs to be checked. On the flip side, if I have a woman who has been menopausal for, you know, five or 10 years, and by definition, menopause is not having a period for 12 continual months, like save your money. I can tell you what your hormone levels are. They're super low. <laughs> you know, so there's no reason, <laughs> right. There's no reason to check your hormone levels. Okay. Well, you know, that's interesting because my levels were, were zero. So I said, why do I need hormones? Okay. I have the occasional hot flash, you know? Um, but I mean, if that's maybe the way my body is supposed to be, God may be this way. Maybe this is what's supposed to happen. Why am I fighting it? I mean, is there a reason to go on hormones if your, your hormone level is zero? For estrogen? Well, the main reason women really go on hormone replacement is for quality of life. I mean, they, you know, when women make the quote unquote change, it's probably more the rule and the exception that there are some pretty bothersome side effects. So whether it is, you know, difficulty sleeping, losing your hair, gaining weight, um, 
you know, a, a variety of symptoms. A lot of women want to do hormone placement simply because, you know, they don't like having um, but you don't have to go on hormone replacement by any means. Now, on the other hand, if you go into menopause very early, say like in your 30s or 40s, mm. you probably do want to go into hormones to prevent things like osteoporosis. Right. Okay. Well, you know, the, you mentioned weight gain, and that's where the whole business comes in, right? Because everybody wants to be, you know, thin and where they were when they were in their 30s or 40s. Um, but quite frankly, um, a lot of uh, diseases are fueled by weight gain and obesity. So it's not yes. just the thing about the way you look, but it increases your risk at so many other things. So so for me, um, that would be like a main reason why, you know, I just want to be healthier. So what? Yeah. how do you decide for a patient or what should a patient ask when they're trying to um, decide bioidentical or synthetic? Should they go with something like a pellet? We've been hearing about these pellets now um, that go in under your skin and release a hormone for three months. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what if I'm having a reaction and it's stuck in me for three months? So, um, you know, things like that. There's so many things that are thrown at us. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, we're, like, we're in this world and where to begin. So the decision between, pre and you know, not all prescription medications are synthetic per se. So I don't think we should separate hormone replacement with just bioidentical and synthetic. Okay. So in fact, some hormones are made from the urine of pregnant horses. So mm -hmm. that's about as natural as you can get. I mean, it's kind of gross if you think about it, but it's not synthetic technically. Um, but the bioidenticals, you know, again, I think there is this false sense of safety with the bioidenticals. Having said that, you have a little more poetic license when it comes to different concentrations or um, ratios of, say, estrogen and progesterone, right? So when you have prescription estrogen or progesterone, it only comes in like certain doses. And honestly, I've had so many women who, it's amazing to me, you obviously lived your life with estrogen, yet you can't find the right dose. You're either, <laughs> yeah. you know, having too many hot flashes mm -hmm. or you feel too tired. And I mean, it's really hard. So when you have a bioidentical, like a cream, it's kind of adjustable about how much the cream is or if you put more on. Um, so for me personally, I think a woman should do what she's comfortable with. Some women just don't really like taking prescription medication. But if you really want the, I don't know if security is the right word, but of having something that you know goes through the FDA process, then you should be going more with a prescription, you know, hormone replacement per se. And then you can check the side effects because there's a record of them. Correct. And but, you, can you know, look out for in, in reality, the side effects of bioidenticals are exactly the same for the side effects ah. of the prescription hormones, right? I mean, and whether you have a quote unquote bioidentical estrogen or a synthetic one, the receptors of the response is the same. Your body reads it mm. the same. We're so your risks are really, I mean, Technically, you don't, again, know the exact risk of bioidenticals because they're not required to report all of those. But you really can extrapolate that any risks that are with prescription hormone replacement are applicable to bioidenticals. We're speaking with Dr. Karen Eilber, a board-certified urologist and associate professor of urology and OBGYN at, at uh, Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles about hormone replacement. I wanted to ask you... Um, yeah, you were mentioning that not all women need hormone therapy. So let's say if you're in your 50s and you go into menopause and your estrogen is zero and you put on some weight, um, and if that's like your only, you know, thing, an occasional hot flash, what 
should a woman like that do? Um, you know, rather than go on a hormone, because a lot of women are afraid nothing. of the, okay. Absolutely nothing. Cause they're afraid of the risk. Fine, listen, if you ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> okay. Well, because they're afraid of the, the, you know, they hear about the connection, like you mentioned earlier, if you have a history of breast cancer or something like that in your family, but there's so many different types of breast cancers and different cancers in general. How do you know if that's in your family? How do you know if, you know, it's like playing Russian roulette to me in my mind? It, I mean, well, but the, the, the family risk, though, is generally in primary family members, right? Sister, mother, aunt. So okay. you would know. I mean, unless you were adopted, you would know your family history of that. But, you know, the only reason to consider going on hormone replacement, if you really don't have any bothersome symptoms of menopause, is Maybe you had a bone scan and you're already, you know, showing signs of osteoporosis. So you might consider a hormone replacement for that. But honestly, if a woman has zero symptoms, her, you know, overall she feels well, sexual function is good. How can you make her any better? Hmm. All right. Well, Dr. Eilber, let's talk about men. What can you tell us about men? Because sometimes they go missing some hormones, don't they? They do. They don't really have, you know, the equivalent of what we'd consider like an andropause per se. Mm -hmm. I mean, a man's testosterone levels decline, but at a much slower rate than say women's estrogen levels decline. Um, so the, the most common reason a man would seek hormone replacement, which typically is testosterone would be, you know, loss of muscle mass, inability to, you know, lose weight, um, feeling tired, loss of libido. So men will use testosterone replacement for that reason. Are there dangers for men? I mean, are there different choices for them as there are for us? Because I see lots of those advertisements popping up um, as well, all these different types of testosterone boosters from all these different companies, you know? Well, again, the testosterone booster, you know, you don't really know how well it performs because they haven't been studied as formally. But, you know, if, if a man takes a testosterone booster and for whatever reason he's taking that testosterone supplement for, he feels better more power to him. I mean, most of those supplements or different things don't have high enough levels that you would, you know, be concerned. Because if you do take testosterone replacement, you do have to do things like follow your blood count because it can make your blood count go too high. You have to follow your liver function periodically. So there are things that need to be followed. But generally, though, the level of actual testosterone that you could get again in kind of supplements probably so low that you would need to worry about those types of things. All right. We're talking with Dr. Karen Eilber about hormones and hormone replacement. So then I have to ask you this question because um, there's a lot of people out there probably thinking, okay, so my, my level is, is low I, for estrogen. I, you know, I'm in menopause. Should I be celebrating something? Is there something good about menopause? I, well, that's not true. The one good thing is you're having your period anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I'm struggling to find a good reason. <laughs> oh, so it is mostly bad news. So, but, um, but you know, what are some of the things that we can do in our lifestyle to affect change with, um, you know, with other things like increasing energy or weight gain or, or those other things that maybe you don't want to take hormones for? How can we manage that with lifestyle changes instead? I mean, not to sound, you know, too repetitive and, and corny, but I mean, living a healthy lifestyle, I think exercising regularly, eating healthy always, you know, keeps you in a consistent way. It makes you feel better. You know, women who are 
sexually active on a regular basis, whether they take hormones or not, tend to maintain their sexual function. I always tell my patients, you know, it's like you hear about these yoga instructors that are 90 years old because they do the yoga their whole mm. life consistently. So I think if you want to maintain a certain quality of life, I think you need to maintain whatever it is that you're doing to keep that quality of life and do it consistently. I guess that's why I married a yoga instructor. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it's amazing. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, the picture of health and, and, uh, you know, I've, I've seen so many women, like you said, up there in age, seventies, eighties, nineties, taking his classes, doing amazing things. And I'm thinking, my goodness, <laughs> it's like, because weird. they've probably been doing it like, you know, many, yeah, many decades. Years. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Coming up next, Dr. Karen Albert tells us the one thing every woman should make sure their doctor knows. Well, Dr. Karen Albert, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you would like to add? You know, maybe kind of put a bow on it about uh, hormones in general? I mean, just I think one little thing to consider is if a woman has her uterus, she needs to take estrogen and progesterone because if you take estrogen alone, it does increase your risk of uterine cancer. Women who have had their uterus removed do not need to take progesterone. So a lot of my patients ask me, why do I have to take both? Or how come I'm only taking estrogen and not progesterone? So that is actually a, the most common reason that a woman has to take both estrogen and progesterone. So if mm. you do not have a uterus, you can take estrogen alone. And in fact, low-dose estrogen um, is really beneficial in terms of maintaining cognitive function. Um, there are studies that suggest you have, you know, potentially reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease. So if people are asking, well, gee, which hormones? There is a reason why you have to take certain ones and why you don't have to take certain ones. All right. So now how do we make sure that our doctor is well-versed in this? Because, you know, all doctors are not created equal. So Well, I think that most physicians who are knowledgeable and comfortable with hormone replacement do it. Those that don't just typically don't do hormone replacement. And you, there is um, something called the North American Menopause Society that if you're a physician you know, as part of that, you know, they've gotten a certain amount of training, but um, that's a good question. And, um, you know, all you can do is kind of ask your physician, like, you know, why do I have to do this? And if they don't have a good answer for you, maybe you get a second opinion. We're speaking with Dr. Karen Eilber, a board-certified urologist and associate professor of urology and OBGYN at uh, Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles about hormone replacement. And um, you have created a product to help women. Can you tell us more yes. about this? Yes. So several years ago, after I've been in practice for a while and listening to my patients tell me, you know, they use lubricants because they had pain with intercourse because of dryness, but the lubricants they were using either made them feel more irritated or made them prone to infections. I started looking into what was available and the chemicals that are in a lot of lubricants are things that we wouldn't even put in our clean beauty products on our face. Wow. So that's where my co-founder and I really decided to make a clean lubricant that when we talk about pH balance of the vagina, most people probably don't realize our vagina is very acidic. So it's pH balanced. It's got ingredients that are actually good for the vagina that can help with natural arousal. And it's FDA cleared. There's also a CBD version, which the FDA doesn't recognize CBD, but that's just for people who the benefits of CBD, which for those people who do use it, it's naturally analgesic, anti-inflammatory, anti-infectious. So, and it comes in a really 
chic, travel-friendly package so that you don't have to be embarrassed to carry it or keep it on your nightstand. Well, that sounds great. How can people get it? What's it called? It's called Glissant, G-L-I-S-S-A-N-T, which translates into slippery from French. Okay. And you can get it on our website, glissantlove.com. It's also carried uh, at Goop and at Blue Mercury. Sounds wonderful. Now, if anybody wanted to get more information about you or reach out to you, is there a way that people can follow you? Um, yes. So my Instagram is at Dr. Eilber and my LinkedIn is also Dr. Eilber. And you can also follow Glissant Love on Instagram. All right. Well, Dr. Karen Eilbert, thank you so much for joining us on the long story short. Um, and uh, you gave us so much information. So now I feel a little bit more, you know, uh, armed with information. So for when I'm going to the next appointment, I know what I'm asking. So thank you so much. I feel bad for your next doctor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. For the long story short, I'm Liz Calloway.